Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. there post institute hope everybody is doing well this evening this is christy soul the co-founder coming at y'all live welcome to the best little parenting show on the internet look at that so i want to plug these two books real quick brian's book from fear to love that we have on promotion at feartolovebook.com and also uh, brian's book the great behavior breakdown that you can pick up uh, at thepostinstitute.com as well as on Amazon. Um, so, hey Mary, nice to see you. Um, I also want to remind you guys, if you didn't know, that we have recently, just like last week, uh, we started posting podcasts that are available on Spotify and Anchor, and Apple Podcasts, and some other places where podcasts are, list, are are posted, and we've also been reviving our YouTube channel, and so that's been really cool. In fact, um, the podcast that was posted yesterday was really a good one. Um, it's Brian. It's about 30 minutes long, and he goes into a really great conversation about um, selecting a therapist and things to look for and questions to ask and things to notice and when to leave. And one of the things that really popped out in my mind that he said, um, especially if you're working with a therapist who sends you the message in some form or fashion that there's no hope that there's no hope for your child, that your child doesn't have a conscience and there's no hope. And I know that that gets said and um, that's just, that's just wrong. Um, A lot of times what happens, and I'm sure some of you guys have had these kinds of experiences, whether it's, (laughs) whether it's from a therapist or a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a coach a teacher, a school counselor, these messages of hopelessness, really those messages of hopelessness come from our own shortcoming and our own ego. When it comes right down to it, <laughs> when, we, when we say that there's no hope, what the more accurate statement is, is that I have exhausted all that I know to be able to help you. What the appropriate thing for a professional to do would be to say, I've exhausted everything that I know and it's time for me to refer you to someone who knows more than I do. So um, that, I don't know, that just popped in my head as I was signing on and it dovetails in with my topic about trauma-informed care. Um, I had the most incredible coaching session today um, with, hey Mimi, and hey, Julie, good to see you guys. Um, and it's a family that I hadn't talked to in quite a while. We had a couple of coaching sessions, and then we went, had a big gap in time, and then we had a coaching session today. And um, one of the things that I had asked the mom early on is, what was it that you think um, led you to be attracted to this particular situation that 
later became very traumatic to both her and her son. And uh, it was such a loaded question for her early on in the process. And, um, and I think that's what part of what caused or invited the space of time before we spoke again, because it was just a really big question. And it wasn't the, the intent and the heart of the question wasn't about blame, but about self-examination. Uh, because one of the first things that happens when we experience something traumatic in our lives is one of the first things that we do is we, we kind of get defended and we tend to blame. And that is a very natural part of the process. But then later, as we get space and we get a little healthier, um, we're able to go a little deeper and we're able to ask ourselves questions like, how did I end up in that situation to begin with? And that leads me to think about trauma-informed care and this the trauma-informed care, this mom, and this conversation about therapists, it's all going to tie together if you hang with me for just a minute. What often happens is that therapists aren't doing their own work. They're not examining their own history of trauma. And when we don't do that, when we're not doing that as therapists, what happens in the therapeutic session Every question that we ask as a therapist is informed by the conversation that's happening in the present, but also informed by the therapist's own experiences. And so uh, you'll, you'll, there are situations where a therapist will inadvertently and unintentionally shut down emotional expression if it wasn't something that was permitted in their in their childhood, if they have blueprints that it's not okay to express, um, if they've not done work around that, if they're not comfortable with intense emotions, then they may um, unconsciously shut that down. They'll ask the questions that they ask to help invite you into examining your experiences will be informed from their own early life, pre-birth and early life experiences. <laughs> so when it comes to being trauma-informed, one of the first things that we have to do as professionals is we have to really be open into examining our own histories, into examining our own allergies, into examining our own biases, our own prejudice, our, to really shine the light into our own subconscious so that we can be really aware of how we may guide a session, may guide a client, a child, a family that we're working with based on our own blueprints, based on the, uh, the stories that we tell ourselves. Um, and so one of the things that it also made me think about was one, that trauma-informed care certification program that we have is really incredible. Brian does a great, it's eight hours worth of training and it is really, really good. And that is one of the very first points that it brings up is that we all have pre-birth and early life experiences that create the lens that we view the world from all of us, the psychiatrists, the doctors, the mental health professionals, 
the teachers, the school counselors, the coaches, your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, everybody has this. And until we take our conscious mind and shine the light around the subconscious, then we can inadvertently we can inadvertently do a great deal of harm. It is it is very harmful. It is very detrimental to send messages to people that are filled with hopelessness, that are filled with doom. Just because a client doesn't respond to stickers and stars and behavior modification that you are dictating as a therapist or as a teacher doesn't mean <laughs> that there's no hope. We are always so quick to blame somebody versus saying, well, maybe this model isn't the model. Maybe this model of therapy isn't the most helpful in encouraging um, the development of emotional maturation. Maybe there's other ways. And one of the things that is so incredible is one, we have the internet and I'm sitting at my desk. So I've got my desktop right behind me and I'm just thinking, man, it's so incredible that you can type something in and you can literally pull up medical grade journal articles to help you understand how the brain functions, to help us understand how different um, different therapeutic interventions may or may not be effective. I was reading about new um, new studies using magnets to help with depression and anxiety, magnetic uh, impulses, and I'm going to have to read more about it. But here's the thing. We've used this notion of talk therapy for a long, 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 long time. And there's benefit to that. But there's much, much greater benefit to getting deeper, to getting below the surface. There's much greater benefit in things like uh, EMDR or using them. They're called, I think Buzzies is the newest name. And these, these things that you can use in your hand that help to retrain your brain at, a, at an electric, <laughs> at an electrical impulse at an electrical impulse level, um, we are learning so much. And there's a lot that can be taken even from, from areas that are not considered quote-unquote mental health, but like tapping and learning about meridians, using deep pressure massage, all of these things that we can pull from to encourage our wellness I noticed myself in church this week, um, certain songs that are played seem to get me going in different kind of ways, but I noticed myself, I had actually taken a belly, I'm going to stand up now because I'm just going to do this, I had taken a belly dancing classes about two years ago just for the fun of it, and we learned about just the pivoting, Just tip, I'm just picking my knees up and down, right, and in doing that, it causes this vibration that goes all the way through my body. And as I notice that, I feel it really creating a different sort of connection all the way through my being. It's like it's it's waking up my vagus nerve. Your vagus nerve goes from the back of your brain and it runs all the way through your core body. There's some incredible little exercises, little hums, little tapping things. What my point is, there's so much information out there. There's so many different 
ways that we can be healthier, that we can take care of our neurological systems, which are directly related to how we react to traumatic experiences and to triggers. There's so many ways that we can calm and soothe our bodies outside of the arena of talk that it's just really important to explore. It's really important to to notice that talk therapy is not the end all be all of the world of therapy. There's so much that can, there's so much that happens in that environment that has more to do with the relationship and the vibrational energy more than the actual words that are being exchanged. We have to dig deeper for our own wellness. So I want to get back to that story about the woman. And so um, I haven't talked to her in over a year. And today we had the most amazing conversation. And while we were talking, she shared the most incredible insights and connections as to how it was that she was attracted to this situation that became very dangerous for her and her son. And she was able to connect how being the youngest child in a large family to a father who was emotionally absent and alcoholic created some blueprints and trauma that she continued to try to rework. (laughs) And so in sharing that, us as professionals, us as parents, We need to do that level of work. We need to have that level of understanding for ourselves. Because if we don't, we are very likely to subconsciously and inadvertently steer the people that we're working with away from their deep work because we've not done our own deep work. So... All of that is connected to the podcast that we have posted where Brian also is talking about things to be looking for as you're looking for a therapist to work with your family. And he reminds us this very important piece, and that is that healing is available 24-7. That as parents, you have greater ability to influence your child in a healing manner than any therapist ever could or should. And that doesn't mean that there isn't a time and a place, but he also reminded me that um, unless the child is in their tweens and teens, really that needs to be a family process that we need to be empowering parents, not just taking our child to therapy and dropping them off at the therapist's office, but the parents really need to be involved in that process because The state level of memory is available 24-7. That's where the trauma memories, the memories of trauma, the shadow memories are lodged at the state level. And it's accessible 24-7. So when we empower parents and we give them the tools, that's when we see the most incredible growth and the most amazing results. And so um, that's why these books have been available That's part of the reason why the Post Institute has always been about getting this information into the hands of parents because you guys have so much ability to create healing in the day in and day out relationships with your children. So um, 
I hope you guys get a chance to go over and either go to YouTube or to a podcast station. Um, you'll be able to find us at, under Post Institute. Check out that information. It's really, really good stuff. And um, tonight, set all your worries to the side and just think about this. Whether you're meditating, praying, or worrying, it's all energy. So choose wisely. Choose wisely how you're directing your energy to a particular issue or person. And just put all that aside. Put all the worries aside. Take some time to just enjoy your babies. That's why we that's why we came to this, right? I want to see what Julie has to say. <clears throat> wow, I just had a positive conversation with our current therapist about the greatest healing taking place at home. Oh, that is so cool. I love that. And I love that for therapists to say yes to that, you know, to have a great big yes. And for them to be supportive of you and in agreement and to be on your side and to be helping you find the kinds of resources that are proving to be helpful as opposed to having this kind of all-knowing, arrogant, <laughs> egotistical approach to working because this is complex. You know, these are complex things. There's no one-size-fits-all. Excuse me, like we were talking about last night, there's not a cookie-cutter approach to, to working with any person or any family. There's things we can borrow from different fields of thoughts that can be so helpful to everyone in terms of, you know, try it on, see if that helps a little. You know, I know some people who love their weighted blankets and some people who don't, some people who like those blue stocking things and some people who, you know, there's just a lot of things out there to take a look at and you, you know, you try it on and if it works, fabulous. And if it doesn't work, you know, you give it about six weeks and if it's not flowing in six weeks of effort, then it's time to move on to the next thing to give it a try. Julie goes on to say, and she agrees we can slow down our appointments too much, too much busyness and just staying in touch for help. Ah, oh, that is so good. She's not fostering dependency. She says, I'm there when you need me. I'm right here. We can pick up at any point. You just reach out. I think that is so cool. And to, there's that place, you know, too much therapy is, is not necessarily going to be helpful. We have to have time to let things, you know, percolate in our system and kind of see what's flowing and what's happening. Julie, thank you so much for speaking up. I appreciate that so much. So remember, set all those worries aside this evening. Spend at least 30 minutes to an hour just enjoying your children in whatever way that looks for your family. And remember what Brian tells us, that in any given moment, we can act out of the same blueprints. And this is anybody. This isn't just parents. This isn't just kids. This can be teachers. This can be therapists. It can be doctors. It can be nurses. It can be psychiatrists. It can be college professors. That in any given moment, we can act out of our blueprints of stress and fear and overwhelm. Or we can take one to two to three deep breaths and we can choose life. Much love to you guys. I hope you have a blessed night and we will see you all tomorrow.
Join us live on weekdays at 6.30 Central Time on Facebook at the Post Institute. Don't forget to get your copy of Brian's best-selling book, From Fear to Love, on promotion. Just pay shipping and handling at www.feartolovebook.com. That's www.feartolovebook.com.